0: Hello.
1: Welcome back to the relatively speaking podcast. We're recording on Monday morning. It is August 15th. I am Jared Mintz, your co-host. Joining me today, and every other day that we record this award-winning, critically acclaimed—critically acclaimed—I can't even say it because it's so untrue—podcast is Joseph Nardone, Joe. Good morning. How's your morning going? I mean,
0: we would have been critically acclaimed had you been able to speak at eight ten in the morning.
1: Hey, it's a it's a process. You live, you learn, and hopefully you get better along the way. So hopefully by next week we will be critically acclaimed and uh, what else did I say we were? Award winning? Yeah. All the above, man. We're, we're the done.
0: Mr. Robot of Podcast.
1: Yeah, you know what? I hate that I haven't seen an episode of this season yet because like, I feel like I got on that show last season... And told everybody I knew about it and was like, oh my god, this show is the best show ever. And then like four episodes in, I kind of just stopped watching. And everybody around me is like, oh my god, this is the best show ever. And I just, I don't watch it. How, how good is Mr. Robot?
0: It's good. I mean, it's not, it's not literally my favorite show ever. And I think it's really good. And I think it has holes and fo- holes and gaps and logic and stuff like that. But um, it's really, really, really good. By design, it's allowed to have gaps and logic because it's supposed to be a little messed up.
1: Right, yeah, I noticed that, and I kind of like that theme about it. Another thing that I liked about it was uh, the bad guy from Rookie of the Year, like the mom's boyfriend, who was a complete jerk, was like the bad guy in season one of it, or at least up to the point that I started watching. So, if you haven't seen Mr. Robot and you're like, "Why would I watch Mr. Robot?" There's your reason.
0: Or last week, for example, this isn't spoiling anything. The first twenty minutes of the show, they acted like it was Full House from the 19, like early nineteen nineties house or Friday night sitcom TV. Really? Yeah, just they made your t- your your TV purposely not HD. They had some different kind of theme music in the beginning. It was all part of Elliot Elliot's um, mental ev- evolution, evolution, I guess, or de-evolution. So I, I can't say anymore because it'll spoil it. But yeah, it actually could have. It was a big risk what they did. It could have turned out really poorly. It came out pretty
1: nice. There you have it. Let's make a seamless transition and talk about risk and iffy decisions and finish our conversation that we started last week on the New York Yankees and Alex Rodriguez. Uh, things escalated quickly in the Bronx last week when the Yankees and A-Rod kind of made the decision that A-Rod was going to be hanging it up at the end of this week. The Yankees said Friday would be Alex Rodriguez's last game in pinstripes and after that he'd be a special advisor to the team. Again, we're recording on Monday, and uh, A-Rod is no longer a member of the Yankees, at least not on the active roster. Joe, how do you think the Yankees played everything out with Arod last week? No, pretty horribly. Um... Well, explain explain <laughs> why, because I, I tried to leave out all of the details in that quick synopsis. Yeah, so
0: A-Rod makes the announcement he's going to retire on a Friday. There's like, I think, what was there, four games left or something like that? And basically, you know... Normal practice, regardless of where the team is ranked in the standings, that guy's going to get a four-game run. And uh, at least at this, at DH, as A-Rod hadn't played the field pretty much all season, or at least started in the field all season. None of that happened until Friday. Um, at one point, I led the Boston's fans chanting, we want A-Rod, which is basically just them chanting so he'd go in the game or acknowledge them so they can boo him, but still. Um, Girardi did this whole, he must have amnesia, um, saying he's not, part of his job is not farewell tours, um, even though he did the Jeter thing two years ago, or that he's just trying to put the best team out there as possible to win, even though he put two guys out there are batting like 200 or below. So, yeah, man, it seems like a lot of, like, spite, bitterness, bitter, bitter type of maneuvers by the Yankees and Girardi. I think Girardi's falling on the sword for management here. I don't think he's acting alone. He's just the one that looks like the biggest doofus out of this whole deal.
1: Yeah, I think you kind of nailed it on the head right there. Girardi took the fall for this, and it's unfortunate because, I mean, you don't really want to hear from the Yankee GM. You definitely don't want to hear from any spawn of Steinbrenner or any other upper management from the Yankees on why Alex Rodriguez isn't going to play. Uh, it's just, it was kind of weird that, like, like you said, you know, we're, we're setting a date in a week. He's no longer going to be on the team. This is his last week. His last game is going to be this night. So when they made that announcement, you kind of thought, "All right, great. We're gonna get another. We're gonna get at least a week of him playing, or not at least, at most a week of him playing. And he's finally gonna to get to play because for the couple months leading up to this past week, Rodriguez was in and out of the lineup, mostly out of the lineup. And you looked at the Yankees and you looked at them being sellers at the trade deadline, and you looked at them not really competing for anything meaningful. And you thought, "All right, well, at least at least I let A Rod play this last week." So. They can get rid of him, and it's all done, and we don't have to hear about whether or not he'll play because he won't be on the team. And then they didn't play him, and it's kind of hard to to build a farewell tour. And obviously, this was going to be a shortened farewell tour, and it wasn't going to be you know the spectacle that we've seen Mariano Rivera, Derek Jeter, and even David Ortiz to extents this year go through. It was just going to be a quick week of you know this is it goodbye at the end of the week. And we, we didn't get that. Instead, we got controversy. Instead, like you mentioned, we got a lot of spite. And the Yankees wound up looking pretty silly, especially when you have Girardi coming out and making statements like, "This isn't going to be a farewell tour. We don't do a farewell tour. We're trying to compete." You know, all, all the things that you mentioned. It just it made the Yankees look kind of silly. The one thing that really rubbed me the wrong way, though, was the way everybody got kind of upset over A. Rod not being allowed to play and. Jumping to the A-Rod deserves better than this. And I'm not going to come out and be a show for the Yankees. I'm really not. I can't. It, it just. I agree that they handled this wrong. It's just weird to me that so many people who killed A-Rod for the steroid use, for being A-Rod, who don't even like him to begin with, kind of piled on the Yankees here. And he deserves better than this. I mean, a lot of people who were caping for A-Rod this past week didn't want him to return to baseball after his 2014 suspension. Now, I'm not saying we can't forgive and forget or that we can't move on or that A-Rod couldn't have been wrong then and been right here. It just, it felt weird to me all of a sudden to see everybody defending A-Rod this past week. What, what did you think of the reaction to to everything that was going on?
0: Well, that's what people do. So, like, a couple people figured all oh, the Yankees make it for easier people to bash than A-Rod, even though it's, it always seemed like a large percent of baseball fans did not like A-Rod. So that's what they ended up doing. Um, I don't know necessarily if A-Rod even deserved better. I thought it came down to how you would treat fans. You know, this is one of the greatest baseball players in the history of the sport, and you're just not going to let him get some at-bats at the end. Um, and I thought the most absurd part of the whole ordeal was um, A-Rod asking to start at third base in his last game, and Joe Girardi telling him no. And here you have a guy who, at the time, coming, like I know all the Derek Jeter stuff is great, but at the time when he came to the Yankees, he was the best shortstop in the world. And he moved positions to third base to appease everybody. And um, he's literally asking to play that position because that's how he thought New Yorkers remembered him as. Um, and he was just told no. I know they got him in the game. to play. I think, the right, didn't they get him in the fields for a little Yeah, they, while?
1: they brought him in, in the ninth inning. They yeah, him out from DH to third base. Yeah, that
0: like and that's like even a bigger slap in the face. That's like when you're a kid and, you know, you don't get in the all-star game all game. And during basketball, and there's seven seconds left and you're down 20. They're like, here, go get some run. So thanks a lot, Joe Girardi. Um, I get what you're saying. Like, people are hypocrites. Um, And this is – they're really wrong. Uh, There's no other – like, this would be like – listen, I know he was super bad. It's like Kobe Bryant type of bad, but even worse. But that'd be like – this would be like the Lakers shutting down Kobe all the year last year, last season. And then, like, the last four games to go, he makes the announcement. And then I'm not letting him play the last four games.
1: Except it isn't. And that's the thing that bothers me a little bit is we brought up Jeter throughout the last week too, where, you know, Girardi made the statement about we don't do farewell tours. And then they made the statement about we're trying to win and we don't want to play him because he doesn't help our chances of winning. But you played Derek Jeter the last season of his career, even though he hit, you know, 260, I want to say, if not less, he was horrible the last month of the season. And he was still out there at shortstop playing every game. I don't like equating the two because A-Rod's not A-Rod anymore. And it seems like people kind of rush to... to Jared, it was four games. They're not making the playoffs. It's four games. Right, but the the point isn't that he's not good. The point is comparing him not being good to other all-time greats not being good. Because A-Rod's career hasn't ended the way other all-time greats' career has ended. You know, maybe the Kobe thing is a little close just because Kobe was really a shell of himself the last couple of years but a, a- hasn't been in the field at all this season for reasons beyond anything off the field. And right. the, guy, the guy can't move and hit at the same time. You want to play him for four games, I don't have... Not a- even
0: a, I don't even think it's the argument of four game. games. You, you give him a couple at-bats to three games, he should appear in all of them, and then the fourth, the last game, I thought he should have started throughout. Like, he even acknowledged when they asked him about it, he's like, I know I can't be that guy, but I can still make routine plays, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, like... It doesn't really matter. Like, this one game of Alex Rodriguez at third base doesn't change the tra- projection, projection of the Yankees for the next 15 years. That's one that's game.
1: Not, that's not fair, though. That's not fair. And we're not talking about 15 years. We're talking about this season. That's not fair to talk about a team that's hovering around 500, that's still competing for a playoff spot. How many games out of
0: the playoffs are there?
1: Let's look it up. There are three games over 500 right now. So it's not like it's not like we're talking about the worst team in baseball.
0: Right. They couldn't give him five at bats over four game or six at bats over four games. Well, or we're not
1: a, talking about the at bats. We're talking about playing the field.
0: All right. So one game, they couldn't give the guy the third. Whoever the third baseman is, a rest.
1: You don't. You're not throwing games here. You're, you're not throwing games. They're, they're still competing anyway. I just what I was saying is I don't like the fact that we're comparing his career ending the way we. I are
0: think if Jeter him. was more lovable, your stance. And I know you actually like Jeter or A I think you would be a lot more one game guy. Than you're being now that they're in contention guy.
1: I probably would, but that's the point that I'm making here is he's not more lovable, and I don't like the fact that he's not more lovable. But I'm not the one that's determined that he's not more lovable, and I'm not necessarily even blaming him for it. I'm just saying the way everybody has kind of treated him over the last two years. To cry for him the last week to say, well, the Yankees did this for Jeter. Why aren't they doing it for A-Rod? That's the stuff that kind of bothers me a little bit. I don't think it's – I think it's apples to oranges, essentially. I don't think it's really the same. And it just seemed like a way to pile on the Yankees. Again, I kind of started this by saying I don't want to shill for the Yankees because I do think they're wrong. I do think they should have done better by him. I just don't understand the outrage towards it where we made this guy who we didn't even care about very recently – into somebody who we're caping for, we're saying he deserves better, all, all these other things. It just it seemed like a way of, we don't support Arod as much as we think the Yankees are handling this poorly, and we hate the Yankees.
0: Well, a lot of that's, I, I imagine, selfishness, too. People want to see him one last time, regardless they love him or hate him. They want at least some closure. Do you know what I mean? Either way, so selfishly, no, I they didn't see- want to see
1: him. they didn't want him to come back from baseball after he was suspended for the 2014 season. But that's different. But they didn't support but him. He's already,
0: he's ar- but he's already been back. He's, he's been back, so now they want this closure. And I, th- I think we're at this point now, too. Like, you're speaking of the super extreme dudes who think baseball is some kind of character business and moral high grounds and the same idiots that let Piazza in but won't let Barry Bonds into the Hall of Fame. I, 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 I'm throwing it to they're four and a half games out of the wild card, but, but six teams are in front of them. Um, I think you're picking super extreme dudes here, and you're using them as if that's a majority. Of people I, of people that hated a Ryan and didn't want him in the sport that wanted him to play
1: I don't think so. I don't think I'm picking extremes. I think a lot of people legitimately felt this way. I remember feeling like I was in the vast minority sticking up for him, rooting for him as a Yankee fan at the beginning of the two thousand and fifteen season, and just saying he deserves to be in baseball that he shouldn't be killed again. you know, I don't have any kind of numbers around me to prove this, but I feel like I was in the vast minority sticking up for him a year and a half ago, and now it's. You know the Yankees are dirtbags. How could they do this to somebody like A. Rod? That, that, you that's what I'm you
0: say. you probably follow the wrong people on Twitter. <laughs> and um, I feel like it's such a Donald Trump thing to say. <laughs> I, I have no data to back this up, but I feel no. I, I understand what you're saying. You probably, you follow way more New York people than I do. Um, just from I just know from last going back to last season, I kind of like I never I, I always liked A. Rod. I I don't care about steroids at all. I don't care if they're lying about. I really don't. But um, I remember people, more people on my timeline, being like, "I kind of hope A-Rod's good," just despite the Yankees going back to last season. These are the whole going after the money thing and all that stuff, right? And I think people, I think it's one of those deals. At least for the people I I noticed and I followed, was like bleep the Yankees more
1: than it was. I like
0: A-Rod. A- Do you know what I mean?
1: Right. Well, that that's kind of what I'm saying too. Is that that's kind of what it felt like this turned into over the last week and. I guess it does make me a shill that it bothered me that that's what it turned into. It it, it was just interesting. And it wasn't just Twitter for me. It was Twitter. It was Facebook. It was talking to people. Who talks to people? I know. I I wish I didn't. I just got such a feeling that there was such angst against A-Rod last year, and now all of a sudden he's the good guy and he deserves a farewell tour. I mean, I'm not saying any of this to rationalize what happened last week. I think it was wrong. I think it was crappy. I understood them not wanting to play him every day last week simply from the standpoint of if he's really good, we look really bad because we're saying we're trying to compete. And if this guy hits four home runs in a week, we look terrible for letting him go. But I just I if it, it struck me weird, struck me weirdly the way <laughs> that, that's still a terrible thing to say, weirdly, struck me weirdly. It struck uh, you I, hard and deep. Shut up. I didn't like the way it played out, and I didn't like the way people ganged up against the Yankees. But I'm, Yankee, but I'm a Yankee fan, so of course I'm not going to like that. What I did like, however, was the Yankees <laughs> bringing up Tyler Austin and Aaron Judge. Oh, yeah. The weekend, and that was fun. The, the first pair of teammates to go back-to-back home runs in their first career at-bats. The Yankees knew what they were doing with this A-Rod thing. They did everything they could to put out the fire. They planned his last game the day before the 20-year anniversary of the 96 team. On Sunday, they retired Mariano Rivera's jersey. A-Rod who at this point? I I think the Yankees did as good of a job as they could of burying this thing. But, I, I mean, they, they should have played him. They should. No, it, this him. isn't going to matter in two years when he's on the Marlins anyway. It, does, it doesn't matter today is, the, is kind of the point I'm making by bringing up these other things. Is it doesn't even matter anymore. Well, it, 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 could, it
0: could matter because I don't, like, I don't know if A-Rod's a beloved figure in the locker room or even liked or even respected an ounce. But um, it's not ideal to, you know, put a player out the pasture that way that's that famous and iconic in the sport. Like players notice these things. Yeah, they do. I'm so. not saying, I'm, never, I'm not. I'm not going. I'm not making the assumption that like free agents are going to care. Like not. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like guys might look at Gerard and be like, "All right, you're you're a Yankees shell. You're not here for us. You're here for them."
1: Right. Yeah. And it's it's fair. And obviously, the Yankees are one of those organizations that obviously has a reputation for being organization over player. I mean, they make guys shave their facial hair still in the year 2016. So no answers on the Yankees. Right. So, I mean, you know, the Yankees already have whatever going against them in terms of being an uh, organization with a stick in their behind. But the A-Rod thing in is over. In their stranger things. Goodness. Uh, the A-Rod thing's over. We yeah. don't have to talk about A-Rod anymore. Let's, let's stop worrying about A-Rod and ask the question, are you worried about the Olympic men's basketball team? No. <laughs> You're not? Listen, over the last three games, they've only won by 10-3-3. Three three. You're not worried? Um,
0: I, I, am going to point something out and it's going to sound super absurd and ruin any chances I ever have of interviewing them. Um, we don't do
1: anything like that on this show. So this is going to be a first,
0: uh, coach K is getting out coached in the Olympics. Ooh. Um,
1: this isn't like people, like people are going,
0: Oh, this is a really bad roster. It's not, it's not it's like it's an oddly constructed roster, but there's still a ton of talent here. Way more talent than any of the other country competing. Um, He's just not, like, all right, so yesterday Clay Thompson finally showed up, which helps a ton. Um, Defensively, they've been a struggle. Um, It appears that they just plan on trying out athletic people. Coach K is not really making any adjustments. A lot of the other international coaches have better idea of rotations they're going to use for a game as if, you know, they're a team. Coach K seems like outside yesterday when Harrison Barnes never played, it was like, hey, we're going to make sure everybody gets, like, ten minutes here and five minutes there. Um, I think that ends now. I also think the mindset... He's like, listen, Carmelo... People want to make fun of Carmelo. He wants to win. Boogie wants to win. These dudes don't want to be the guys that lose for the first time since 2004. Yep. So, um, an international... I'm going to go on a small international basketball tangent, but international teams have gotten ton, tons and tons better. Now what's going to happen is, outside of Australia, who has a really young Crop of international players getting really good, that so they're going to be really good next Olympics. Like probably the second best team in the country, the rest or in the world, the rest of the international teams, Spain, Argentina, they're getting older and they don't have a young crop to to um, come back to replace them. So this is going to be the last deep international or Olympics from an international standpoint with this many teams being as good. These next Olympics, it's going to be Australia, United States, and maybe Croatia. Because Spain's going to be
1: aged out, and um, so are a lot of the other uh, um, players. Serbia is an interesting team. I mean, a couple of their better players are older, but they obviously have some younger guys in the NBA, too. But I I, I agree with you, and that was kind of how I felt going into these Olympics, that America should dominate, because some of the teams that have really given them a hard time have gotten older. Mm -hmm. We we haven't seen them play Spain yet. Spain's obviously had their own struggles. Yeah, they, they look old. Yeah, I mean they don't have Marcus all either, you know, and they they are older, but that that's the thing is these teams that have been giving the United States a hard time over the last 10 years have kind of gotten older, but at the same time you have other programs that are getting that are getting better, that are competing at a higher level. I mean, we saw that that Australia game was really close. Mm-hmm. I I was really worried that they weren't going to be able to pull that one out. And it's interesting because you look at this team and you think to yourself, they have another gear that no other team in this tournament has. But they just haven't been hitting it in these games, and when they do, they don't hold on to it long enough that they can't stave off these other teams. I mean, the France game looked like it was going to get out of hand in the third quarter when Clay started going nuts, but France climbs back in, in the fourth. What did they? They outscored by nine points in the fourth quarter. I mean, maybe some of this is Coach K not being able to, to you know, shut these games down not being able to stick with the best lineup. I, I noticed what you were saying in terms of rotations and trying to find minutes for, for a lot of guys except for Harrison Barnes, I guess. But some of his substitutions of taking out DeAndre Jordan and putting back Boogie Cousins or getting Kyrie Irving back in the game instead of Kyle Lowry, it's, I don't want to say it's head scratching because I just i don't think it's that serious. I mean, you're, you're putting in all-star level talent for all-star yeah. level talent, but sometimes it looks like he's not even paying attention to the flow of the game and just worried about getting minutes for guys, and it kind of doesn't make sense to me. I mean... I'm not going to go out of my way to kill Coach K here, but... No, that's not what I was trying to do either. No, I I don't think you were, and I think you'll still be able to get the interview with him at some point, so try not to worry too much about it. I Um, just think he's trying to appease the
0: Eagles because promises were probably made. He's like, Harrison Barnes doesn't look great today not playing any at, at all yesterday. Do you know what I mean? Right. So, all these guys... I mean, like people... like I understand they're millionaires, and they live these great lives. They're sacrificing their free time to go do something we expect them to win, and if they lose, we hate them. Like, this isn't a win-win for them. It's only a lose-lose, and then if they win, it's a whatever. Do you know what I mean? And not not to mention they're going to, you know, where it's not ideal conditions. So I imagine K had, like, to get some of these guys on board, it had to be like, hey, like, you're not going to look like a doofus. Like, you're not going to ride the pine. Like, I bet you if K had his way, like, the rotation would be down to nine guys. and Like, a strict nine guys. Right. So that's why I imagine, like, there's some of those forced ones. Um, I do think, like, that stops now. Like, at least, I, when made that, like, when we hit into the knockout round, at least. I think in the prelims, it was like, hey, let's make sure everybody gets theirs. And then when the knockout round hits, like, I think we're going to see the tight rotation. That's why I'm not worried about it, because I do think K is going to eventually be like, all right, enough of these random DeAndre Jordan boogie cousin switches. Like, whoever is the guy is going to be the guy.
1: Right. Yeah, I, I think that, makes, that you make a good point there. And you're also right that it's not worth really worrying about until we get to these knockout games. With that said, I mean, it's, it's either it's all or nothing with this team. And the first few games, they, they blew their opponents out. And then again, everything's been close for them lately. They beat France yesterday by three points. They beat Serbia on Friday by three points. And the Australia game was a 10-point game, even though it was really, it felt a lot closer than yeah. at the end. Uh, one of the more interesting things I heard last week, I think it was Stugatz who, surprised Stugatz said something funny. Um, He's the best. They were reacting to the close game with Australia, and Stugatz said, I bet if the United States took this team more serious, they would have crushed them, or something along those lines. How do you feel about that statement? Do you feel this is something like the United States, just they're not focused, they're not playing the right basketball, they're not taking their opponents more serious, or do you think other teams are just... You know, better and playing better basketball and maybe the makeup of this United States team just isn't good enough to blow out the better teams in this tournament
0: Alright, so not all international teams are built this way, but a lot of them have been playing together for a very long time so there's an actual chemistry there, there isn't a turnover rate like there is on the U.S. international team from one Olympics to another Um, then when there is a turnover on the international team, a lot of these guys come from their countries uh, under 18, under 21 teams Um, So there's like a familiarity with these guys where it's not like we're just going to get 12 all-stars from our country that very rarely played together um, and and, and together. So I think the construct of Team America basically only having a few weeks, really, to have played together. Because our international teams and non, like during world competition, isn't this team. So... Man, like, I just don't like the idea that we're going to go, like, they're not taking guys seriously. Like, maybe they to start the game they didn't, but I guarantee you, like, when when they're like, okay, this team's good, like, we're going to try. You, but you can't try harder to make a jumper. The is either going in or it's not.
1: Right, and I don't, I don't think, like, poor shot selection or poor defense or not following backdoor cutters, I don't think any of that stuff is a reflection of taking the team you're playing against less serious as much as it is, the teams you're playing against are good and they're forcing you into uncomfortable situations. And that that's one of the areas where I would like to see Coach K make things easier for this team. I mean, I think that's why he's here, to kind of make things easier for them, to, to get the most out of them. I mean, obviously that's a coach's job, but offensively speaking, he's the one that's supposed to be making it easier for a team that doesn't have guys who can really space the floor, that doesn't necessarily have that one great facilitator who makes offense easier for everybody. I mean... Kyrie Irving isn't that, Kyle Lowry hasn't really looked like that at all, and then you have your Wings, who have kind of been ball stoppers in this tournament, so I just, I, I think it's more the way this team is built, I think that was really a, a hot take from Stugatz, and I think I think Dan Levitard treated him that way, I just, I think the United States is at this point where they've been playing these teams for years now, they know which countries have, have programs that are really good programs, that have players who have played in the Olympics before, who are familiar with the territory, who have done this and excelled. I just, I don't think it's the type of thing where they're not taking opponents seriously.
0: No, and I mean, like, we're going to talk about him in a couple minutes, but, like, Carmel Yanti clearly cares. Clearly cares a ton about this. And I th- think it's a good thing. We'll talk about that. And then, like, you know, Boogie Cousins cares. He already, his name's already been run through the mud for years because of the Sacramento mess. You know, he doesn't want to come home as bronze winning. Men's basketball, Boogie Cousins. You know what I mean.
1: So like, they'll solely get the blame if.
0: They oh, think. it'll it'll be it'll be the worst. Like, it nothing, nothing will go hit Coach K. It'll be Boogie Cousins. It'll be mellow. Um I think what we learned from this team's construction is they needed a, a selfless playmaker guy, and they were. I think K was kind of hoping Kyrie would morph into that, um, which. He didn't, and it's fine because he's had good, really good games and really good spurts and stuff like that. I think they just realized they needed like, a, a Chris Paul type of guy on the roster. And now, yes. lessons learned, and next Olympics, don't put the, that type of guy on the roster. Even yeah. if he's not as good as everybody else on the team. Like even, if, Excuse me. If it ends up being, I don't know, whoever's going to be, like, um, cheap man's Chris Paul in four years, he'll Craft, be on the roster.
1: Aaron Kraft probably, right? Really? Yeah. He, Jimmer for that? You're not going to go Jimmer for reference. We already spoke about Jimmer on the podcast once, many times. I I agree with you. I, I do think it's kind of just it's more of a roster construction thing. And I think that you look at this team and it's really not it's really not devoid of like those NBA stars. You know, sure, there's no LeBron, there's no Steph Curry. Beyond that, and I guess no Chris Paul too, and Westbrook, I guess. Yeah, but you can't ask
0: like I, like I said before. Like you're asking, you can't. We can't ask these guys all the time because. Let's be honest. Like we're asking them to not lose, and then we're we're doing a podcast segment on it right now. Are we worried about our undefeated national basketball team? Do you know what I mean? Like our, our, our international basketball team. Like we're worried about
1: them, and they're undefeated. Right. Well, that that's not such a hot take, but somebody else had a pretty hot take about it. So why don't we get into bad Tweet. Let's just hit the music, producer. Let's go. MJ Means with the
2: side of some racism. Many hot takes.
1: All right, so our first bad tweet today is from Sam Esfandiari, who's at Sam Esfandiari, who is a writer for Warriors World and a big Warriors fan. He's a pretty good NBA follow, but kind of went out of his way to kill the U.S. basketball team here. He tweeted on August 13th. or actually, quote-tweeted Koala, who said, the Olympic basketball is so ugly, okay there, I said it. Sam S. Fandiari responds, Team USA playing like it's 2004. Not surprising, as the point guard is the love child of Marbury and Iverson, and Mellow is the quote-unquote leader. Jeez. All Bring right,
0: Melo's Mello, been super-duper fantastic. So, like, any kind of mellow stuff, it's got to stop. Yeah. I, I, hate, I hate the mellow stuff. All this... Dude, like, and I, 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 I'm not a Knicks fan, but I, I, I admit to like, you know, kind of backing Melo in 99% of the cases where people go after him. So, but I mean, for these Olympics, this shit's oh that I'm gonna have to bleep that. That stuff's got to stop. He is a leader on this team, and he's nothing short of phenomenal. Um, who agree, huh? and who don't want the love child of Marbury Iverson?
1: I want that love child. Yeah, I could do without it. I know, I know, what, I know. What, I, know what,
0: I know he meant it as a slight in Kyrie and all that stuff. Listen, Marbury, Iris and Love, Child. Imagine right. that post game presser.
1: Ugh. Well, that that's a funny thing though is that he went out of his way to say this kind of to to throw shade at Kyrie Irving because he's a Warriors fan. But at the same time, I mean this this team has has Clay Thompson and Draymond Green on it who just won a championship, then won 73 games, and you're going to kill the team for not having any leadership because Carmelo Anthony is the guy that everybody refers to as a leader, and it appears he's doing a pretty good job as a leader of this team. It just, it, it's the type of thing, like, instead of, it's almost, it's like Stugatz. Instead of giving any credit to the competition or to what anybody else is doing, it's, well, look, look internally, and this is why the team isn't good. And it kind of goes <laughs> back to your point of overreacting to them being, quote-unquote, not good. I mean, they're still killing everybody, even if the games are close, they they're winning games. They're they're undefeated. They're not going to lose a game more than likely. So what? Uh, it's it goes from a why are we worried about them to well, you want to know why they're not that good? I mean, they are that good. They're they're better than everybody else, and these other teams aren't slouches. So I, just, I
0: imagine this is what like when Argentina's soccer is not good. Do you know what I mean? Oh, when Messi's the leader, he's the love child of two random soccer guys. I have no idea. Right.
1: Yeah, by, by not good, we're not talking about losing games. We're just talking about not dominating the way we're accustomed to seeing.
0: They only bet a good France team by few points. A good France team by three yeah, points.
1: Yeah, good, good France team, good Serbia team. That Serbia game was close, man. I thought they were going to lose that game. Uh, yeah, I mean, but they didn't. They didn't. <laughs> so, yeah, we don't have to worry about the love child of, of anybody or or poor leadership. I'm all
0: for those things, though. Like, I, like that, tweet, that tweet on the epicness of bad tweets we've done, it's not like a super horrible tweet. Um, there's clearly some Homer vibes in there. He went. He went after that. He went into Kyrie again about not being a facilitator. Blah blah blah. Like a lot of sour grapes. Um, but I'm out. I'm here for all the love child things. So if you have any more love child tweets, people, send them out. Give me a love t- child. A Marty Jannetty and China from wrestling, or a love China child from Tom Brady and Jimmy Garoppolo, or
1: whatever. I'm here for it. Goodness, I don't even know what to say to that other than. That bad tweet touched on Carmelo Anthony. Why don't you get into the other bad tweet? All right,
0: SFV enthusiast. I don't know what that means. I'm not gonna take a guess. So I'm spooky. At Game Freaks eight four five quotation marks. C Mello is good. He just needs talent around him. And quotation marks. He needs the best players in the world around him to be good. That's what you're saying.
1: Um. Yeah, he, he's never good, by the way. Carmelo Anthony is an average-at-best NBA player. Yeah. The vibe I've gotten during these Olympics.
0: Uh, I, I forget who made the point. I want to see if it was Fran Fashilla, or it could have been like Collins, and be like, like they, he tried to counter himself because he knew it would be taken the wrong way. He's like, Alec Carmelo needs is like good players around him, and he shows he's good, and then he goes, no, listen, this is what I'm saying. When good players are around him, he's still the best player, and he's been that on the, this team. Better than Durant, better than well. Durant had that one game when he was super crazy, but he's been the best player on the team. And I don't think why that's a, like that should be a hot take that he's been really good with good players. Is that bad?
1: Yeah, it's it's really strange that we can't just look at. It'd be like looking at LeBron in 2008 and being like, well, he hasn't won up to this point, so I guess you just need to put Olympic athletes around him in order to get the most out of him, because now he's winning. I mean, he's a completely different guy. This is who Carmelo Anthony's been. This is who Carmelo Anthony's been on good teams also. It's just so strange that we treat it like like he's Clark Kent. Like During the day, it's, he's this one guy, and then he goes to the Olympics, and it's, oh my god, he's a superhero. Where did this come from? And that's kind of why I gave that pushback last week when you brought up Olympic Mello, and I got into that whole Durant thing being better. The Olympics are, it's its a good situation for players with their skill set. So that was why I kind of went, well, Durant does it better than Carmelo does. They both excel in this situation. They're both stretch big guys who are big enough to, to rebound and to, to play a little bit in the paint, but you're also putting opposing big guys on them where they could just take them outside and kill them with their speed and their perimeter skills, so the Olympic games are catered to players like Carmelo and to Kevin Durant. The leadership thing is completely different, and it's something that Melo's evolved in as an NBA player. Last year, you really saw him took on a lot of the leadership aspects of the Knicks. Now in the Olympics, he's the oldest guy there. He's been there. This is his fourth Olympic Games. He's won two gold medals. Of course he's going to be the leader and the go-to guy for, what is it, nine players who have never played in the Olympics before that are on this team. It's, it's It's really strange that... We can't just let Melo be, and we can't appreciate him for being good. We really we brought up Melo because we wanted to talk about his comments last week about if he wins a third gold medal, he would think that that's... I don't think he said better than winning an NBA championship. It, 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 would, help, it would help offset not winning one. Isn't that what it was? Something along those lines. Yeah. He essentially said he's fine with his legacy having, win th- having won three gold medals and that he won't consider his career a failure because he didn't get an NBA championship. That these gold medals kind of help make up for that what'd you think about those comments
0: i thought i thought in the i think one he's in the olympic moment so like you kind of have to realize that he's really caught up in being olympic mellow and which is fine and i do think like he would probably trade one of those in for another a a title but i think he realizes he's nearing end peak mellow and that Cleveland and Golden State, there's probably leaps and bounds ahead better than, well, probably they are leaps and bounds better than the Knicks. And then I think he's saying, like, hey, like, listen, I'm going to have the most gold medals of any men's basketball player ever if he gets the third one. And that's not a horrible thing. And, that's, I, and he's not wrong. His resume is going to read national championship at Syracuse, productive NBA career, no titles, three gold medals, became super great social activist dude you know what i mean and a lot of off the court stuff that will by now should have transcended him into a different kind of star i don't i don't know why it hasn't maybe because people just don't like him but he's done a lot of stuff off the court that should make him i don't know kind of an important figure but um i think he's right that i think we'll look back fondly on this and be like i wish we appreciated the ride more
1: I hope so. I don't know that winning the Olympic golds, you know, winning a third, at least, is really going to change his legacy all that much in terms of how he's perceived by basketball fans in America. We just we put such a we put such a rings. We do. We put rings on a pedestal. You know? I hate it. it. It's annoying. Who would you rather be? Charles Barkley's career or Robert Ory's? I I don't know. I see. Here's the thing. It doesn't matter to me. I'd probably want Charles Barkley's career because he made a lot more money and was an all-star and was you know revered. But at the same time, I don't know what these players would prefer. I don't know. Actually, of course I do. Everybody takes the money. Everybody takes the spotlight. Nobody wants to be the seventh man or the, the sixth man or even the, the fifth best starter on a team if it means to win five championships and give up being an all-star player with all the endorsements and being the highest paid player on your team. Everybody chooses that. that you know Everybody that can at least chooses the the individual success over the team success, and it's understandable. I mean, this is your one chance to to really earn a career, and you're going to earn a career, and Carmelo has prioritized that. So that's kind of why it kills me a little bit that we're still having this rings conversation about him. We're still trying to discredit his career because he hasn't won rings. I mean, it's fine. I think that it does essentially separate him from other great players, but I think other things basketball-wise also separate him from other great players. He, I'm not going to say he's flawed, because if he's flawed, then what are guys that aren't making All-Star teams? In terms of being a star player, yeah, he's not LeBron. Nobody is LeBron. So it's kind of ridiculous to always hold him up to to LeBron or Kevin Durant or even Kobe Bryant or some of these other guys, Dwayne Wade. He's not those guys, but he could still be great, and that's where... The word nuance comes up, and we tend to not have any nuance when it comes to Carmelo as a basketball player. It's either, well, does he win? No, then he's not that good. And th- that's just not fair to do to him. So, yeah, I-, I think what you said about him being like in the Olympic mode or-, or whatever it was that you said about him, I think that's really true. I think he's seeing other Americans dominate and win gold medals and them being celebrated and looking at it like, well, I'm about to do the same for the third time, so yeah, I should be celebrated the way some of these other olympic athletes and olympic heroes are too and to me that that's that's nothing to, to sneeze at that, that's a big deal
0: yeah no I'm, I'm 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 totally with you i do think uh he's in that mode and i do think if like three months from now we give him the truth serum he'd say like yeah man i really want an nba ring but i think maybe in his heart of hearts he probably he might actually feel that way and who are we to say how to feel because we're the idiots that are like champions or you stink like do like i don't I know for, like, it, because nobody's comparing him to all-time greats, ever, which is the right thing to do. But, like, when John Stockton's name gets brought up, I never hear, like, well, he has no rings. Do you know what I mean? Like, for some guys it matters, and for some guys it doesn't. And I think for the Mel thing, I, where he's probably maybe a top 100, I, I know some people have him, like, in top 50. I don't know where to rank him all the time. But nobody's putting him in anywhere close to the top. And as far as ge- his generation goes, he plays in the same generation, came in at the same exact time as LeBron James. So, I mean, he's not going to walk away with any rings, and I think that's kind of okay. I think it's kind of Michael Jordan timing for maybe like a Patrick Ewing or um, obviously the Houston Rockets got lucky because he retired at a certain time when they all hit their peak. But I'm not going to kill Melo for being in that moment and going, I really ain't going to be happy if I have three gold medals. Like, what is he supposed to say? My life's a failure.
1: Lala's right,
0: yeah. going to divorce me.
1: Yeah, we don't, we don't really know the context of how those comments came out or, or what really provoked him to say that other than, you know, he got an interview with Mark Stein and he was talking how about... How bad of a
0: look would it have been if he said he didn't care about the gold medals? How right. how much would we have killed him?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, but that's that's the other interesting point is that no matter what he does or says... He's always going to be brought up in a negative light. Yesterday, of all people, Phil Mushnick... Oh. I, I don't know if you saw that. I hope you didn't. Yeah. I hope most people didn't. I only saw the tweet. Carmelo's boneheaded three-point gesture doesn't embody Olympic spirit. Are you freaking kidding me? Like, No no matter what he does, he can't win. Whether it's on or off the court, he, just, he will always be... I don't want to say hated because hate is such a strong word, but... He'll be criticized for for everything he does, everything he says. When it's good, there's always going to be something bad to point out, and when it's bad, it's see this is just who this guy is, and it's always bad with him, and the good isn't even that good. It's just I, I wish people would cut him a break a little bit. And dude, I, as
0: as as a person, and I already t- mentioned before, like the, he did that thing when he was outside for like a couple hours during after practice signing for kids through a wall like a hole in the wall at practice in Rio. Yeah. Like, that's all- like, as a dude that's, like, an ambassador of the sport and doing way more important things with his public face, his public figure or whatever you want to say, than a lot of other athletes. Like that we all claim we want athletes to do. I and mean, he's actually been doing it for, like, five or six years now. Um, you cannot question him as a person. Do you know what I mean? Like, at this point, you can't. Like, whatever you – you might not agree with his motives or his ideas, I guess, although that's a whole different discussion. Um, he's he's trying very, very hard to do stuff that nobody else is even trying to do. So you can't be like, mellows, blah, blah, blah. Like, dude's going after his third Olympic ring and his fourth Olympic Games. He's got the Olympic spirit, whatever the Olympic spirit's supposed to be. I think the Olympic spirit's an uh, old white media guy thing, so they can bring up Gabby Douglas, Bill Plaschke, and talk about things that don't matter. Yeah. Are, you, are you standing erect enough for the national anthem? Did yeah. you cry enough during the national anthem? Why well, Yeah, were you celebrating too much? Even though we just celebrated Michael Phelps being super celebratory guy, like all that stupid stuff. Whatever.
1: Yeah, embody Olympic spirit. Michael Phelps like swings swims back after killing everybody in his race, and he just holds his one finger up like he's ET, and it, <laughs> it's never anything. I, it's just you know some of the mellow stuff. It's his own doing a little bit, a little, 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 little. Why? Did little he, mon- he took money? Did he took money? No, it's not that he took money. It's that he he talks so much about wanting to go to a winner and wanting to be a winner, and he leaves Denver to go to the Knicks, and in the process, the Knicks roster is gutted. And listen, I'm not blaming Carmelo for that. I'm just saying sometimes he shows a little bit of a lack of awareness. You know, the, the All-Star Games thing, needing to play in All-Star Games despite being injured, despite needing to shut it down. There are things that he has done in his career that have pointed to Maybe he doesn't want to win as badly as some of these other guys, which isn't saying he doesn't want to win, which is comparing him to to just flat-out greats, historic, transcending greats, and he's not that guy, and that's fine. It's not a knock to not be that guy. It's not a knock to not – I think he wants to win. Who doesn't want to win to some of these other guys? LeBron took less money to play with other guys. Oh,
0: come on. No, stop it. Go ahead. Go ahead. The less money thing. Hi, Whatever. That's, I hate that. Oh, he took less money. So what? Doesn't mean Melo wanted to win less. And you also got to remember, these guys all think they're super duper great. Like, Melo went to New York thinking, I could fix this by myself. That's how those guys work. They, he didn't go, oh, they're, they're losing all these guys. I'm going to a loser. He's going, I'm going to go to the Knicks. People are going to want to play with me. I'm a really great player.
1: Well, is that what separates him from LeBron then, who LeBron said, I want to play with other great players. I don't think I could win by myself. And then LeBron went and won two championships and Carmelo's won one playoff series. I mean, t- tell, tell me then, if it's not, if he shouldn't be judged the slightest, I'm not trying to kill him for this. I'm just saying why he gets these unfair, the unfair treatment that he gets. I do think it's unfair. I do think it's ridiculous. I'm not criticizing him for this as much as I'm saying, Maybe this is what it stems from, even though it's ridiculous. I, I just like they've made different decisions along the way, and I don't think it's necessarily because one wants to win more than the other. But you would think that these decisions do kind of reflect that, that that's a completely hot take.
0: Well, you can't say, like, I, I don't think these things matter and then say these things matter you know what I'm saying? Like it's I'm, he, Either they do or don't.
1: they don't. I'm not saying they don't matter. I'm just saying I'm not going to kill him for it the way other people are. I just understand that this might be where people are coming from when they criticize him about it.
0: Has other players that got max deals gotten better players around them than Mel? I don't know. I, I did, mean, didn't, didn't Dwayne Wade not take a pay cut when Bosh and, and LeBron went to, to Miami? They, they all took pay cuts. No, Wade didn't.
1: Yes, he did. He, of course he did. That's why there's all this criticism about LeBron leaving him. After he took less money... Oh, yeah yeah. Him,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They all took Oh, less no, play no, play. you're right. You're right. Yeah. I apologize. LeBron just also took $30 million a year. Whatever. Right, I'm not I'm, not, gonna, not... I'm never going to say this guy doesn't want to win because he got the money he deserves under the collective bargaining agreement.
1: It's not a he doesn't want to win. It's not a he doesn't want to win. And that's where this is, like, so extreme. Of course he wants to win. It's an other guy's wanted to win more and No, be no, because Melo got money
0: he deserved. By not taking less doesn't mean he didn't want it more. It means... This is money that's owed to him because he's a really good player. Because LeBron chose a different route. You can make the argument that he chose the easier route by taking less money because he makes it often often, uh, marketing and advertising anyway.
1: But when you're prioritizing do I want to take less money to win with other great players, or do I want to take more money?
0: I don't think that's how they prioritize. I think, like I said, Melo goes, I'm Carmelo Anthony, I'm one of the best players in the world when he went to the Knicks. People are going to want to play with me regardless. They'll take the pay cut, and I'm really good, and I can win with lesser players.
1: What about in 2014 when he was a free agent? See, we're arguing about Melo, and I really don't like it because I'm not trying to be the one that's criticizing for it. I'm just pointing out things that I think have relevance. What about in 2014 when Carmelo's a free agent again, and he has... Chicago and Houston knocking on his door, willing to give him a lot of money. Instead, he chooses to go back to the Knicks because that's where there's more money, even though they're going to rebuild. And their rebuild will not be even close to complete until he's past his prime.
0: So that's What's not that? right, right. So that's, if he left, it'd be unloyal mellow. And now he state He doesn't get the loyalty tag. He gets, I just want the money tag.
1: He does get the loyalty tag. It's But this isn't about that. This is a matter of prioritizing your decisions to put yourself in a better situation to win. In 2010, sure. Maybe he thought he could have his cake and eat it too by taking the money in New York and potentially building a winner around him because he was still in his prime and he had plenty of time for them to try and make things better. But in 2014, when that boat is sinking, the ship is sinking, and this is his last big opportunity to grab a contract, and there are other good teams in better situations than the Knicks that could have given him a lot of money and put him in a better situation to win, and he chooses to stay in New York, you can't tell me that's the same as... Like that—that's that, him doing what he deserves, and that he still knows he's going to win. You can't tell me it's the same. You knew his chances to win were lower. I'm not going to—I'm not—I'm not, I'm not going to be the guy
0: that says if you're getting money that's owed to you and people are willing to pay to you, that means you're not prioritizing winning.
1: Okay, that's fair, and I'm not crushing him for it. I'm not just, gonna- I just—I just heard you hit your hand on the desk. You're mad. I'm not mad at all. I put my computer down. I'm not mad at all. I, again, I'm really not trying to come at this from a place of criticizing Carmelo for his... We should
0: have done Joe vs. Jared music before this.
1: I know. We, we should have. Debate, debate, debate. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not trying to kill Carmelo. I love Carmelo Anthony as a Knicks fan. I appreciate him coming back. I don't blame him for the team being a pile of garbage, a flaming pile of garbage. It's amazing we have a guy. I'm sorry I just said we. It's amazing that we as New Yorkers Yorkers and we as Knicks fans have a player like Carmelo Anthony in New York. Guys like him really don't come around that often. I just think if we're doing this thing where we're talking about priorities, priorities, priorities mean like one is really important, two is a little less important than one. And looking at the decisions he's made, winning isn't priority number one for him and that's it's it's not a terrible thing it's fine it's fine you're right he's he deserves this money he's owed this money he should get this money he's loyal for taking this money even though we shouldn't talk about loyalty in sports i just think it's like he's made his priorities clear where other guys have made priorities clear as well that winning was priority one over taking the biggest contract they could get
0: see i'm not going to say money dictates their priorities I'm going to say some of the guys, I think some of these guys are dumb for not taking what's theirs. I, I do. I think under the collective bargaining agreement, if you're a max player you're not taking max money, you're doing a disservice to your other basketball players because now you're viewed as exactly the conversation we just had. Your priorities aren't right. Even if you're a player that deserves max money, if you're not taking less, we're going to say you don't prioritize winning. So, yeah. there, so every time LeBron James doesn't take a max deal or whoever else max players are and they take less... And then somebody else takes a max deal where you say, well, that guy doesn't care about winning because he took a max deal. Well,
1: it's where you're taking the max deal, too. You know, it's it's it, there's a lot of things into it. And this is why Carmelo gets criticized, and I don't think it's fair. I didn't mean to do this to criticize him. I'm just saying... Tommy is going to be all up in your mentions. I don't... Oh, um, <laughs> why, why you got to do that? I'm sorry. Don't, don't mention names like that on this show. Um... Anyway, I I hate the way Carmelo's been criticized over the last few days over this. I think it's great that he is so excited about winning gold medals and that he takes it so seriously. I think it's a great legacy. I think it's amazing that he's been around for these teams and that he's been a leader for this team that has so many great NBA players on it. So, yeah, that's all I got.
0: Yeah. Happy. All right, we have to do absurd questions. I want to do one real quick Olympic thing before we go to absurd questions. No.
1: Yes. Do it. All right. Your show too. You got all the uh, say you want.
0: Usain Bolt going quicker, and hundred meters is way more impressive than what Michael Phelps does. Want to know why? Why? <laughs> because everybody with able bodies can run. Not everybody with able bodies can swim.
1: Yeah, but you have an advantage if your able body is built like Usain Bolt, and that's not oh. to take anything away from him.
0: All right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go like way off the beaten track here. Yes. There is a population of humans, not just in America, who have been purposely kept away from pools or can't afford to be by pools. So then the amount of people that swim is smaller percentage-wise to the amount of people that can run. So there's more people qualified to to compete to be the world's fastest man than there are people who can swim to be the world's fastest swimmer.
1: It's true. Scientifically speaking, that is true. So, I think it's more impressive, just based off sheer numbers. That's fair. I dig it. You know, I I cannot debate the two. I really can't, because I watch Michael Phelps, and it's just like, it's ridiculous. It's incredible. I think the way Usain Bolt dominates his opponents is might be what puts him over the top for me, just because his races aren't even that close, and Michael Phelps, you know, it could be a fingertip or something. It could be that close for him. So yeah, maybe Usain Bolt is more impressive. I I'm not sure. I I can't do that. I can't I can't like I can't I compartmentalize this where I watch these guys and I'm like, oh, they're the best at doing that. That's so impressive. They're the best at doing that. I can't look at it like, well, you know, what Simone Biles just did was way more impressive than what Michael Phelps did. I just I can't compare the two. I really appreciate you trying to do that though. It's it's crazy to me.
0: Well. well- well, I mean, as far as cool factor, what would you rather be, the world's fastest runner or the world's fastest swimmer?
1: I mean, I think being the world's fastest runner is more useful in everyday life. Than but the world's just- fastest man title,
0: right? That's like the that's most it. famous sports title, I guess, you that you can have attached to your name. Because nobody, goes, nobody calls Michael Phelps the world's fastest swimmer, and that's not actually like a cool tag right. to have.
1: I'm the fastest swimmer. Like, no, I'm the fastest man, period. I just run faster than everybody does anything. See, like, the coolness factor, you're definitely right. Usain Bolt, like, it's way cooler than than what Michael Phelps could do. And what Michael Phelps could do is pretty cool, too. So I'm not hating on that. I just think to be able to outrun everything. Like, I think back to the Muhammad Ali Superman cover. Like, yeah, Muhammad Ali knocked Superman out. If you were to try and equate that to, like, Olympics, you'd see Usain Bolt runs faster than than Superman before you see... Michael Phelps beat Superman in the swimming race. I mean, Superman might not even be able to swim. He might be one of those people you're talking about that can't swim.
0: Yeah, like, you know, the Olympic water might be kryptonite to him. It could be. I mean, the green water, especially in Brazil. That's, well, I mean, there's a, there's, it's it's not segregation, but there's levels to it in the history of competitive swimming. Do you know what I mean? So, um, it's why in baseball, before before the sport was integrated, the, the record should be viewed differently. You know what I mean? So, like... I'm not trying to take anything away from what Michael Phelps has done. It's tremendous. I'm just saying, like, he's playing against less of a a percentage of the population on the planet than Usain Bolt is. Do you know what I mean? Everybody everybody that has an able body can run. Not everybody that has an able body even knows how to swim.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. That's a really good point. I I dig it. I dig it. I don't know which is more impressive. They're both just amazing. Again, I kind of think just because... Usain Bolt kills everybody else that he races. Maybe he's a little bit more impressive. But Phelps being able to do what he's been doing for as long as he's been doing it, I mean, that's just, that's incredible. Have you watched him swim during the Olympics? Oh, yeah. And then I noticed, like, all those, I guess, what are they, leech marks on his body? They're, uh, I don't know, they're like suction cups, I think. Like, he puts suction, not physically, he puts them on while he trains Uh, or something, and they leave those marks. So, yes, it is essentially similar to, to leeches, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's that, really-
0: that's my, that's my uh, expert analysis on Michael Phelps. Yeah.
1: What's your expert analysis on Ryan Lochte being held up at gunpoint? After,
0: yeah. Uh, the other night. Rio. I will see with the horrible look denying it, denying it. Did they really? Yeah, they said that they uh, that they said that it never happened. And then Ryan Lochte called his mom and his mom went on the record. And then I don't know if they I, I haven't checked, but I don't know if they've released say it. System. But in the beginning, it was all denials. Like, as if this story wouldn't get out. They're apparently the incompetent villain in the Scooby-Doo TV episode.
1: They're really bad. They're not having a good run this summer, even though they're making so much money.
0: Well, that's the thing. Like, it's, like there's been pretty bad things that have happened. And, like, that kayaker supposedly hit a sofa during an event. And this Ryan Lochte thing. Um, people mostly forgot about the fact that, like, guys are living in literal poop.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. not pretty...
0: No, and you know what it's going to stink. Is like when we, when, when all the nations leave, and all those issues are still there, and none of the eyes are no longer
1: on it. It's just going to get worse. Which yeah. is not,
0: which is a non-sports topic. But uh,
1: yay Rio, <laughs> yay Olympics. It's it's almost over. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun for America too because we've just we've been so good at so much of it. I I'm really enjoying the, and I mean this from a sports standpoint. I'm really enjoying the women's beach volleyball. I really hope that. Terry Walsh Jennings and Abby Ross take home the gold. They've been ridiculous to watch. The the gymnastics has been pretty can't miss because the U.S. is just running away with everything for the most part. And the the swimming has been a lot of fun for both the men and the women. What have there been any other sports that you've been trying to pay attention to other than the main ones in basketball that we just discussed?
0: No, I've been the beach volleyball for the same reasons. Um, it took me a second to realize that uh, what's the other one? Carrie Walsh's old partner named Messi Misty May, Missy, May, May, Missy trainer.
1: May Trainer. Yes,
0: sir. Yes. It took me to realize like I didn't realize he out of the sport. They were so super popular like eight years ago, twelve years ago, whatever it was. That right. shows how longevity, how long she's been in there. So beach volleyball. Um, I like doing the swimming in the 100 meter. Like the 100 meter has always been my favorite event. Um, gymnastics I like a lot. Pretty much everything. Like I got caught watching US in a water polo game yesterday, even though they were already eliminated. They couldn't advance past pool play. They were playing Italy. I watched the whole thing for some reason. Um, it wasn't very exciting, but I watched the whole thing. And uh, that's about like I mean, it's whatever's on. Like I watch the basketball stuff. I don't go searching for anything unless it's going to be. A a named person like Bolt or Phelps or uh, any of the U.S. women's Olympic uh, gymnastics people, Katie uh, blanking on her last name, the swimmer Ledecky, she's a beast. Like I'll turn in special for her, Um, but I'm not going to like actively seek sporting events. It's more like the guy, like the certain stars I want to see, and then like if the hundred meters on, yes, I want to see. Justin Gatlin run, or J- Javid Best, a former player run, or I just think, I think the 100 meters is still the coolest singular Olympic event of either Olympics.
1: Yeah, I, I could see that too. Two things, I did not know Javid Best was in the Olympics. That's you the didn't know best. that? Oh, I dude, no that was idea. such
0: a great, I mean, he didn't, he didn't make it past the prelims. He was in the same race with, uh, in the prelims with the first one with Bolt.
1: Really? Wow! I might have to go back and catch that. I liked him a lot, uh, especially fantasy football. Second thing, and I'm really sorry we didn't get to talk about this more today because they deserve more attention. U.S. Women's Basketball Team. It's oh yeah! Like I, I was thinking yesterday, they're like on the '96 level, which was a team with Lisa Leslie and Cynthia Cooper and Charles Swoops and pretty much any great women's basketball player you've ever heard of was on that team. This team is just insane. They are so ridiculously good. I mean, no one, no one comes close to U.S. Women's Hoops. But this team is like – watch this team. If you get upset watching the men's because there's very, very little team cohesion and they just – they play a little sloppy. The women are not sloppy. They are incredible. They are just – wow. You have to watch them. All right. We're running short on time. Let's do some absurd questions. Hit the music, fake producer.
0: <laughs> it is time for the absurd questions portion of the podcast. Absurd questions. Alright, I'll go first. All right, go um, My bad question... Yeah, my, <laughs> That was a Freudian <laughs> slip. My third question is bad.
1: You we ready? It could be absurd tweets and bad questions.
0: Um, you ready? ready. I, want, I want you to hit this like you're a detective. I want a dead serious answer because I don't have one. All right. Why does Donald Duck wear a towel when he comes out of the shower? When he doesn't wear any pants to begin with.
1: I don't know. Maybe the shower gets him really turned on and uh, they're, Disney's not trying to show you a... Uh, you know... A duck duck wiener. But he
0: but he's not wearing any pants
1: either way. But I'm saying maybe the shower really turns him on. Maybe maybe his maybe his post shower process is getting out of the shower, covering up, you know, drying himself, and then maybe he tucks in or something so he can not wear pants. I I don't know the Duck Anatomy well enough, especially the Disney cartoon Duck Anatomy to to really uh, hunker down on this one. But I, I guess <laughs> maybe, I guess he you know, maybe the water in the shower, maybe it just uh you know Puts him in a good mood. I don't know. What, what do you think?
0: I, I just think it's bad creative choices by the people in charge of Donald Duck. I well, think.
1: I mean, yeah, that's a real answer, obviously. I mean, they probably don't even... Probably doesn't even have genitalia. He's a crazy. Whoa! He probably doesn't. You're kind of Donald Duck's manhood. <laughs> Does he have children? I mean, we know Goofy's got kids.
0: I don't... I... I, I this uh, The question was spurred on to me by watching Mickey Mouse Clubhouse the other day, and... It wasn't a Mickey Mouse Clubhouse episode. We ended up watching something else. It was an older Donald Duck cartoon. And he came out of the shower. Like, he entered the shower, you know, with that top part on but no pants. Takes the top part off. And then he comes out with the towel around his waist. And I'm like, that makes no sense. Can we just say we're talking about a duck taking a shower? Right. Well, this is called absurd questions. Like, I couldn't come here and ask you something normal.
1: No, no, no. It's fine. I'm just saying we're questioning the pants aspect of this. said. Oh, not the cartoon the, duck out. Uh, not cartoon. The, right, not the duck taking the shower. I mean, how does he even turn the shower on? He doesn't have, like, hands hands does he?
0: Well, in, in the episode I was watching, because maybe they answered this question recently or at some point outside this 19, maybe ninety-two cartoon of him, they didn't show him in the show, They saw him walking into the shower by taking off his thing and then coming out with the towel around his waist.
1: Yeah, that's strange. I, I'm actually Google imaging him. Oh, man. There's a Google image of him naked covering up, like he's doing like a DX chop almost in front of his Did you What you, would you do, Donald Duck naked? Donald Duck shower. No, I'm not Googling for naked pictures. It's Whoa, up. I
0: see this one. That's of him covering up.
1: You. Yeah, I see. There's multiple of this one of them yeah, covering yeah. up. I think if I were to Google Donald Duck naked, I'd probably lose internet privileges forever. Um, But yeah, I Googled Donald Duck shower. So yeah, oh, he's- I see the one with him in the towel wiping him up right now. It's not that episode, though. What do you got? You got one of him in the towel, also with Huey, Dewey, and Louie in the scene. This is crazy. Yeah, this is not a wormhole
0: you want to go through when you're you're at work today. There's a lot of him being completely no, nude with no shirt on in these.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to scroll down because I'm afraid of where that. Makeup. Whoa. No, nope, Yeah, I didn't want to do that. All right. Yep. You don't don't
0: don't Google oh, it, friends. Let's do
1: it. Let's pivot. Let's pivot. I right, ask
0: me your absurd question. That that took a nasty
1: turn. If you go down like a half a page. If you could have unlimited anything besides any form of money slash currency what would it be? Smooches from Christina Ricci. That's it? Kisses forever? From but her. now, would that be something that you dictate, or would that be something that it's like a kissing machine and you can turn it on and off? Uh. And where would the kisses be? Oh, wherever I want them. Which is
0: kind of important in this. I can have anything. Man, we're not taking a good pivot here. <laughs> we're just going down straight, continue down the gutter. Um, Maybe, maybe, maybe the answer should be video games an unlimited supply of video games. Come on, what are you
1: six? An unlimited supply of video <laughs> well, games.
0: Well, this other answer is not going to get me into any kind of good graces. Your wife
1: doesn't listen to the podcast. Christina Ricci might. All right, that's all I'm saying. Well, hey, Christina.
0: You know, hit me up. Uh, slide into my DMs if you know what I mean. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't see anything wrong with getting unlimited smooches from Christina Ricci.
1: Wherever. It's a pretty cool answer. Um, what, what's actually... your answer? I'm,
0: I'm, I'm blushing and for no reason I <laughs> she's,
1: just, probably, she's probably not listening it's okay no
0: I know she's not listening she might be nobody listens to the end of podcasts anyway so nobody's listening at this point
1: right if I could have unlimited anything uh, I think it would be um, I don't know like Zach Morris timeouts where I could just like freeze <laughs> time and do some stuff and rearrange people's fists and have them punch other people I, don't Whoa, know. You, I mean Zach, Zach did it I, it's not my idea Zach did it
0: yeah you just used your power for evil
1: uh, you also picked Christina, something that's not real, Christine Chris, What if I am at a Trump rally and I get somebody to punch Donald Trump in the face? That's not evil. Go on about Christina Ricci.
0: At least, no, I'm just saying, like you, you picked a non-real, actual thing. At least, like Christina Ricci's kisses are real. Like they could actually
1: happen. Like Zach Morris t- timeouts don't exactly exist. Christina Ricci kissing you doesn't exist either, buddy. Whoa! Whoa! How yeah. to do it? I didn't have a good answer. I had a good question. I apologize. I'll uh, I'll have a better answer for my question next week. Anyway, we we got to wrap up. I'm Jared. Thank you guys so much for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at Hoops. Catch my writing at today's fast break. Again, we have the Phil Jackson Chronicles. Last week was an interesting one as it highlighted Derek Fisher getting fired and uh, a lot of finger pointing at millennials. So, all you millennials that listen to the podcast. Make sure you check out the Phil Jackson Chronicles. Again, I'm Jared. Follow me on Twitter at JMidSpoops. Thank you guys for listening. Joe, tell the good people where they could find you.
0: Uh, on the Twitters, at Joseph Nerdon. Today's, fr- uh, fast break. Yeah. <laughs> you,
1: you killed you ruined me. And today's you. loves us.
0: Yep. Yeah, and, uh, Google us, but not Donald Duck
1: Naked. Don't Google Donald Duck Naked. One more thing, I want to give a shout-out to Joe. Joe got an interview last week with, uh, with your boy, former Memphis coach, current Georgia Tech coach Josh Pastner, it's a good interview over at Today's You. So make sure you go check that out. Joe's a journalist.
0: It might be true.
1: Thanks for listening, guys.
0: Whoop whoop.
2: All around me are familiar websites, worn out clickbait, worn out hot takes. Bright and early for the daily link comes No one's clicking, no one's clicking. Their pee's are filling up their pockets, but not for writers, not for riders. Hide my head, I want to do a slideshow. No tomorrow no tomorrow and I find it kind of funny I find it kind of sad the internet in which I'm worthless is the best I've ever had I find it hard to tell you I find it too hot to take when people blog in circles it's a very very mad world Mad world